the sermon this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our gracious God, we do come before you this morning and we thank you, Father, for your grace upon our lives. We thank you, our Lord, for loving us the way you have loved us. Uh, Father, for giving uh, your Son as an atonement substitute for us. And this is why we're here today, Father, to worship you in the beauty of holiness, to hear from your word that we will be built up in the faith, that you would use us as lights and salts in this world before your return. We ask and pray that you'd minister to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 and beginning from verse 8, the Bible says there, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, he went out, not knowing whither he went. We'll continue where we left off last week from this verse. Last week we looked at the call of Abraham. In verse 8 says, by faith when he was called to go. And Abraham was no doubt called by God uh, to go. And it was based, we spoke about last week, by the authority of God's word. Uh, clearly the authority was found in the word of God. In Genesis 12 verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out. And so... Uh, no authority without the Word of God. And today, uh, we have the Word of God. The Bible is our final authority. We don't have any more revelation or extra revelation given. The Apostle John, the Revelator, closes the book of Revelation and says, If any man adds or takes away from the prophecy of this book, God will add the plagues written in this book on them. And so it's a very serious thing to mishandle the Word of God by adding or taking away from it. We believe the Word of God is sufficient. We have the whole canon of Scripture. Even the Gospels are sufficient for us. Jesus said that these things are written, that ye may believe. And, uh, and so it is enough. We don't need any more revelation. Uh, we have enough for us today. And so Abraham had enough in his day. And he was called to leave a known place to go to an unknown place into a land that he said that I will show thee. And so Abraham was called to leave his comfort place. And we looked at that last week also and how, how our commission as a church uh, was given to us to go and be a light and a salt to the earth. And uh, Jesus said when he gave those parables uh, regarding the talents, he said he gave certain ones different talents and he said this, occupy till I what? Till I come. And so now we're going to look at not only the call of Abraham, but we're going to look at the covenant of Abraham, or given to Abraham. And the Bible says that he went into a place which he should receive, uh, he, he went into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. And so, first of all, Abraham was given a promise by God, uh, and it was a covenant that would be unconditional. In other words, it had no conditions on it. God will promise through Abraham uh, certain things. The covenant is an agreement God will make with Abraham. And it's found in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It was a fourfold uh, covenant or promise. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee all thy families of the earth shall be what? Blessed. And so first of all, he promises a land, and that was the land of Canaan, and it was typified blessings. The land of Canaan uh, was, was flowing with milk and honey, again, typifying blessings that God will bless the children of Israel in that day. And, and uh, second of all, it would become a great nation. He says, I will make of thee a great nation nation and so God promised to Abraham descendants one generation after another generation and the number of Abraham's children would be that almost uh, you know multitudes upon multitudes and so all the males by the way of Abraham's descendants uh, were to be circumcised and this would mark if you will the covenant that God made with Abraham in a physical sense any offspring of Abraham <clears throat> would, uh, that rejected to be circumcised will, uh, will simply reject the covenant made unto Abraham. Genesis 17 says this, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. And this is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token 
of the covenant betwixt me and you and every child in your generation and he that is born in the house or brought with money or of, an, or of any stranger which is not of thy seed he that is born in thy house and he that is brought with uh, thy money must needs to be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and the uncircumcised man child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised that soul shall be cut off from his people and he hath broken my what covenant and so we know and understand that he will bless the generations to come and this was a token or a mark of the covenant of circumcision and then thirdly he will bless he says he will bless thee and make thy name great so he'll give him a great name and we know and understand even in the world today that the name of abraham is well known uh, sure is and even in other religions also they know they know the name abraham especially among the jews now when the jews will simply say uh you know uh that they have a god they would refer to the god of who abraham to uh simply uh have a distinction between the false gods in the earth and the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And so uh, when you think about uh, the God of Abraham, you think about the one and true God that he, he made a covenant with Abraham. And so we think about this and, and it's very important as we go to the end of the sermon to understand why this uh, covenant made with Abraham is important. Now, let me just say and stop here and say that there was a time where there were people in the in the days of uh, 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 what's his name trying to get um, uh, Nimrod, the days of Nimrod, where the people wanted to make a name for themselves, and so they try to build this tower of Babel, and God made made sure that He will cut their endeavors short, and He will frustrate their endeavors, and so they sought a name for themselves, but they failed. And you know, let me just say this that the antichrist will seek a name for himself everyone in this world that lives without christ will always seek a name for themselves you just have to look around and see uh the world today but nimrod his name is rotting right now everyone that has simply rejected god's plan of uh salvation or the promise given to abraham uh, would simply have a name that would never be remembered and we, know, we need to know and understand that that would just be a statistic in this world, especially in the eyes of God. We have a world today that thinks more about themselves than the God that made them. They're so selfish, they can't even see their selfishness. And you know how you know someone is selfish? When they reject God and his plan of salvation, and when they reject the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And this is no doubt alluding to the next one I want you to see, a blessing to all nations God gave a covenant to Abraham that through Abraham listen all the earth will be blessed not only the Jewish people uh, that was the beginning but uh, it wasn't the end and so the Bible through uh, Abraham given this promise uh, his offspring God will send a savior into the world named Jesus and he will save his people from their what he will taste death for every what man and so by faith if anyone would believe on christ they'll be blessed they'll be partakers of the promise made uh, to abraham and this is why circumcision when christ would come is no longer necessary why because christ is the fulfillment of the covenant and again we're going to see this a little later on uh, jesus will be be the fulfillment of the promise made to abraham and he will be the beginning of the new covenant made by his blood okay and we, again we'll see this a little later on and uh, in galatians chapter 6 verse 15 for in christ jesus look at this neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision but a what but a new creature but as many as walking according to this rule to what rule any man being christ he's a new creature in other words, he has been circumcised in the heart, right? The circumcision of the heart, being a new creature, is to be born again or to be born from above. And if any man holds to this rule, he's what? Peace be upon them and mercy. And look at this. And upon the Israel of 
God. So we can say that the true Israel of God are all those who have obtained mercy by trusting Jesus Christ as their personal saviour, thus fulfilling the covenant made with Abraham. All right, And so uh, they have circumcised their hearts by being born again and becoming new creatures, Paul says to the Corinthians. Therefore, if any man, if any man, being Christ is a new one, He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. <clears throat> and so we see and understand that every single person that is in Christ will be the fulfillment of the covenant made with Abraham by faith. Even Gentiles be partakers of the covenant by faith. Zacchaeus was a partaker of the covenant by faith. He was called the child of Abraham. Well, we are called the children of Abraham by faith in Christ. The truth of the matter is, anybody can be circumcised outwardly, but God is looking for someone that is circumcised inwardly. Because this is what the covenant was all about. It wasn't just an outward expression. It was a fulfillment of a greater uh, 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 testament, and that was fulfilled in Christ. And so the promise made with Abraham was by far the greatest uh, promise uh, you know, in its standard. Go to Hebrews, please, with me. Hebrews 6, and I want you to see how this covenant was made, or this promise. <clears throat> A couple of chapters going backward there. Hebrews 6. Look at verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying surely blessing i will bless thee and multiplying i will multiply thee and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise so god made his promise swearing by the greatest standard and with the utmost accountability possible and that was his name by his own name God made this oath to Abraham in his own name and Abraham could not have received any greater assurance than that. And so in Hebrews 6 verse 16, for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. The word confirmation here simply means a guarantee. And so this oath, this, this covenant, this promise that was made was, was a confirmation uh, given or, or sworn by the greatest standard, you know, uh, by uh, God's own name. It was a guarantee and it puts an end to all dispute. This kind of oath puts an end to all dispute because it recognizes that the oath is a guarantee and therefore must be kept by God's word, by his own name, his reputation here. And we know and understand that God has the highest reputation and can never be faulted in this area. He's full of light and truth. In him there is no darkness. And so we can find comfort in that. Look verse 16. For men verily, oh sorry, verse uh, 17. The promise rested on the nature of God and these two immutable characteristics of God. Immutable means unchanging. Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heir of promise the immutability of his counsel, unchanging, in other words, of his counsel, confirmed it by a what? A promise, an oath, that by two immutable things, what are these two? In which it is impossible for God to what? To lie. We might have a strong consolation or comfort who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So these two unchanging characteristics of God, they're immutable, cannot be changed. It's who God is. Uh, uh, it, 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 that's his make, all right? Uh, first of all, the immutable, unchanging counsel of God. That means the word of God. God's plan and purposes will never change. What we see in the Word of God and what are you know, decreed, what are promised, what are put forth, what God said, in other words, will happen, listen, will happen. Nothing will change that. 
Nothing can change that, especially the unconditional promises. The difference between conditional and unconditional promises. There, there, there are promises that are conditional. God says, I will do this if you do this. But there are other uh, promises that God will simply do with and without your participation. However, the unconditional promise still will affect you if you do not adhere to the very things that God sets in place in his plan and, 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 and purposes. And so, second of all, the immutable characteristic of God uh, is this. God cannot lie. In other words, he keeps to his word. He's, he, he promised. He doesn't break promises. It's impossible for God to lie. It doesn't even come to his thoughts. He he's not even tempted with it. And so you can mark it down. What God promised will happen, will happen. You can trust that. And oh, let me tell you something. We're not there yet. I'm getting ahead of myself. But when God says, he that have the son have life, God says that to be true. And he, he that believeth on him should never what? Perish. That's true. What's never mean? Never. And so we base our faith on the foundation of God's word and counsel and promise. And again, I'm going to uh, simply, in the way of closing, just really bring this back again so we can get more comfort. But I must continue. Look at verse 19. The, this unchanging character of God is the believer's consolation and encouragement found and fulfilled in Christ. Look at verse 19. Which hope? We have an anchor. That's where we get that song from, amen? And we sing it. We have an anchor of the soul. And, uh, and what an anchor he is. Uh, steadfast, amen? Both sure and steadfast. And which entereth into that uh, within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest for even after the order of Melchizedek. Now Jesus is the high priest. We don't need the priesthood anymore. We don't need the priest to go into the uh, temple and atone every year. Jesus is our atonement once and for all. And um, the Lord himself, by his blood, shed on that cross, would be the mark of the New Testament covenant made, if you will, the promise uh, fulfilled in Christ our Lord. You know, immutable means God never changes. His word never changes. What he does, who he is, he's always the same. Uh, all may change, but Jesus never changes. It's always the same. Hebrews 1 verse 11 proves that to be true. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and, the, and, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shall uh, thou fold them up. But look at this, and they shall be changed, but thou art, Lord, but thou art the what? Same, and thy years shall not fail. Chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God were to change his attribute or his character, it would be, uh, he would be less than he says he is. But he doesn't change. He is the Lord God. Malachi 3 verse 6, I am the Lord, I change not. God doesn't change his plans and purposes. Isaiah 46 10, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. And God doesn't change regarding his promises. 1 Kings 8.56 Blessed be the God that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he had what? Promised. There have not failed one word, one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 For all the promises of God in him are what? Yea, and in him, amen, unto who? The glory of God by us. God is completely perfect. In 2 Samuel 23, uh, 22, 31 as For God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all them that trust 
in him. Psalm 18 verse 30, as for God, his way is perfect. The, the word of the Lord is tried and he's a buckler to all those that trust in him. God doesn't have to change because he's perfect. Amen? God cannot change because he is holy. It's who he is. See, the Bible says to us as believers, be ye holy for I am holy. We are being. We change because we are simply being uh, new creatures in Christ, being sanctified. And by the way, there are some Christians that do want to change in Christ and some Christians that don't. And I hope here today that you want to be a Christian that wants to be holy as he is holy. He's not being holy, he is holy, we are being holy, we need to uh, look to him and follow after his word, which is the very thing, by the way, that is able to sanctify us. Jesus prayed to God the Father in John 17, and he says, sanctify them by what? By thy truth, for thy word is true. The truth of God's word can bring that sanctifying process in our life as we uh, simply walk in truth. And John says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. It's the truth that helps us become uh, perfected. All scriptures given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for correction, uh, uh, for, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in, whole, uh, in righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly furnished perfect unto all good works. Through the word of God, he wants to perfect us so we'd be holy like he is holy. God is complete and perfect in all his attributes, in every single one of them, in, uh, in his natural uh, and moral attributes. God is completely perfect in all that he does. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 14, I believe it is. Verse 14, that was my, my error. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. And this is why the work of the cross was the, was the, was the work accepted by God, a sacrifice that was accepted by God. Nothing should be added to the work of, of the cross or taken away from the work of the cross. It was perfect. There Jesus hung his head and said, it is what? Finished. It's perfect doesn't need to be uh, you know uh, simply added to or, or taken away from and uh, God is complete in his perfect gifts in James chapter 1 verse 17 every good gift and every what perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning in other words God doesn't vary doesn't change uh, Warren Weasby said God does not change there are no shadows with the father of lights it's impossible for God to change he cannot change for the worse because he's holy he cannot change for the better because he's already perfect amen and so God his immutable character is not to be confused with the way he does or deals with people you know God deals with sinful people or uh, God deals with the saints uh, in a different manner in Joel chapter 2 verse 13, he says, And rend your hearts and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of, a kind, and of great kindness, and re repenteth him of, all, of, of, of the evil. In other words, God's immutable character does not mean that he cannot express you know, forgiveness or mercy when someone repents of God's going to destroy them, but if they repent, God will change uh, in a, such a way to show mercy and, and, and forgiveness upon those that are simply broken over their sin. You know, God's immutable character doesn't mean that he cannot express the way he feels. Uh, Genesis 6, 6, and it repented the Lord. In other words, he changed his mind, if you will, that he ever made men on earth. It grieved him at his heart. Think about that for a moment. Well, you mean God changed his mind about making people? No, he's expressing the way he feels. He's, he's expressing his heart upon rebellious, sinful, wicked people that will not repent. And God can express his heart. He, he can show emotion in that area. 
but that doesn't mean he changes. Uh, the Lord's sorrow does not indicate, William MacDonald says, an arbitrary change of mind, though it seems that way to man. Rather, it indicates a different attitude on God's part in response to some change in man's behavior. Because he is holy, he must react against what? Sin. And so, God's holy character is a reflection of how he feels toward sinful people. God's immutable character does not mean that he cannot extend his mercy. Mercy is one of God's moral attributes. In other words, God's going to withhold judgment from people that repent. Uh, Jonah 3.10, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented, or he changed his mind of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Uh, Albert Barnes says, this was no real change in God, rather the object of his threatenings was that he might not do what he threatened. God's threatenings are conditional unless they repent as, he, uh, as, uh, as are his promises. Again, conditional. You do this and I will do this. Uh, Jeremiah 18 verse 7. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation? And concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them so God's conditional promises confirm that he is he is the God of his word and that he does not change and God is true to his word again if it's conditional and and you repent and God will have mercy aren't you glad for that I am. I'm glad that God had mercy upon my soul 20 years ago. And God gave me room to turn after showing me my wicked, vile state before a holy God. You know, repentance is a gift from God. In other words, in this manner, that God gives us an opportunity to come back. Faith is a gift from God in this manner. God gives us an opportunity to believe on his son. It's, everything's a gift from God. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a God that is full of compassion. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said, thy loving kindness is better than life itself. Experiencing the love of God far outweighs life itself. If you've ever experienced the love of God, you would know and understand what the psalmist is saying. If you have ever come and tasted that the Lord is gracious, you can understand the sweet psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can understand the shepherd's uh, hand in guiding you, you know, in a sense where, you know what, I just want to be with the Lord. You can understand John's cry and say, oh, you know, come quickly. You can understand, you know, Paul saying, I'm betwixt the, the two, having a desire to, to depart and to be with the Lord, which is far better, and remain here because it's more needful for you. There's this tension in his heart. You can understand when you've tasted the, the, the sweet love of God through his son. You just want to be with the Lord. You want to be in his presence. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent. God doesn't have to change his ways as if he has done anything wrong. No, God is not imperfect, God's perfect, but rather demonstrates mercy to an imperfect people. And so Genesis 18, 26, and the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. God promised that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But he said, if there's 50, I won't. and anyone understood that there wasn't. God withholding his wrath from a, a repentant sinner confirms God's immutable character of God keeping his promise as a gracious God. It's important to understand that God's mercy does not change, does not change his mind about how he feels toward, get it, sin. God has 
and will always, listen, hate sin. Always. And by the way, the fear of the Lord is that very thing, is to hate sin. That's what the book of Proverbs says. The fear of the Lord is to hate what God hates and to love what God loves. That's why Job was called uh, uh, you know, an upright man that eschewed evil, a man that feared the Lord. Why? Because he just hated what God hated. And he was for God. The injustice that we see happen in the world today, it's not because God's uh, you know, plan and purposes failed, if you will. It's because of the sin of man. It is because of the actions, if you will, and the decisions that man uh, simply decide to make. It's their decisions. It is their sin that sin simply corrupts the world. It's not God. God wants to bring good. It is men that bring about evil. And so if we are to fear God, then we are to simply hate what he hates, and God hates sin. But he's still merciful, and he's still loving and kind. And let me just say this. God promised to Abraham that there would be people throughout all the earth that will be blessed through the covenant that he made with him. So to despise Israel, and a lot of people do, did you know that? Is to despise the covenant and the promise made to Abraham. Is to despise the blessing of God. Because God, and you can't, you know, you can't, you can never forget this, even though now we are the church made up of Jew and Gentile, and we'll get there in a moment, but you cannot forget that it was through that nation that God decided to show himself strong and bring forth a saviour named Jesus Christ. And so, if you go to Romans chapter 9, I want you to see this. As I mentioned, it was through the nation of Israel that God chose to bless the nation or other nations in Christ, Gentiles meaning us. Romans 9, I want you to see verse 4. It says, Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God. And look at this. And the what? And the promises. Whose, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came is who is overall God blessed forever. Amen. You know who my God is? The God of Abraham. Whom the promise came from. Amen. Yeah. I thank God for that. I thank God that God, uh, through his son, broke down the petition wall and that we were once alienated from the commonwealth uh, of Israel and now we have been joined together uh, in Christ that we would be one. We, the body, the church, and he, the head. Without Christ, no one will be blessed. No Jew, no Gentile. The Abrahamic covenant indeed included a promise of blessing and redemption through his son and this promise uh, finds its fulfillment in the New Testament covenant which was confirmed by Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31 says this in verse 31, Behold, the days come, say the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband under them, say the Lord, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And as I said before, the new covenant begins with the shedding of the blood of the Son, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus said uh, this, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, look it, don't miss it, which is shed for you. And uh, in Christ, we are one fold. Jesus, Jesus makes it very clear. Uh, 
very clear. He says, and other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Who's he talking about? Israel, God's chosen people. And remember, the gospel came to the Jew first. Amen? The promise came to the Jew first. As a nation, I want you to understand. We know and understand there are other people, even in the Old Testament, that were uh, partakers of, of that covenant, like Rahab, by faith. Rahab made it in James chapter 2, didn't she? Yeah, I mean, Abraham and Rahab was using as example by James. That was by faith, okay? But there was now one fold. Uh, uh, he says that, he says, I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one what? Okay. So, we, so let me say, Jesus is not split in two. One shepherd for Israel, one shepherd for the Gentiles, or, you know, the church. No, it's one fold, the church, and he's the great, he's always been the great shepherd. He's always been David's shepherd. And listen, he's your shepherd if you know him to be your saviour and he's my shepherd. The same Lord. He's not split in two. And he's, by the way, the head of the church. And we can go on and on and on about who Jesus is to us as the church and he will make them one. How would he make them one? Through what he did on the cross by his death and resurrection. This is why when I said that Stephen, when he preached this sermon, this is how we begun the series, he preached starting with Abraham, ending with Christ. Because Christ is the fulfillment of Abraham's covenant. Have a look at Galatians chapter 3 as we wrap it up. Have a look at Galatians chapter number 3 and look at verse 1. We've got several verses that we need to touch on, but look at Galatians chapter number 3. <clears throat> in verses 1 and 2, notice what Paul says to these Galatians that wanted to go back to the old covenant. He says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus have been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He says, This only will I learn of you, received ye the spirit, of uh, uh, the spirit by works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Look at verse 6. Even as Abraham... Believe God. It was counted to him for what? Righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of what? Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing, I love this verse, and the scriptures foreseeing that God will justify the who? The heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in these shall all nations be what? blessed so then they which be of faith are blessed with who faithful abraham there it is so the only way to be the children of abraham is to have faith in christ alone and by the way faith obeys the plan of salvation the only way uh, anyone could be partakers to these promises is by faith and faith alone i don't have time to go in john chapter 8 I had it there to go, but maybe in your own time, you read John chapter 8 and you'll see what Jesus said to the Pharisees who claimed to hold on to Abraham. And, uh, and, and, and Jesus specifically and very clearly said to them, look, listen, if you'd believe Abraham, you wouldn't be treating me like this. Abraham didn't treat me like this. Now, that's an interesting statement. You can see that maybe if you have some time to read it today in John chapter 8. So the only way anyone could be partakers of these promises is by faith and faith alone. Romans chapter 4 verse 13 for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham uh, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law <laughs> through the law but through righteousness of what? Faith. That almost stumped you before you read it. Am I reading this right? Well it's not through the law. The promise is given by what? Faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to anyone that believes. To who first? And then to the Greek, or did the Gentiles. So our eternal salvation is, is based upon Christ alone through faith and God's word and his promise. It's not based upon works or reason, feelings. It's certainly not based upon experience 
Salvation is based upon the authority of God's word and his promise, Titus 1-2, in the hope of eternal life, which God cannot what? Lie. Promised. When? Before the world began. So God had this in his heart way before it came to Abraham. That you would have eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Way before Abraham, God thought about giving you or promising you eternal life through his son. And God cannot lie. I think one of the greatest comforts that we have, listen to me very carefully, is that our name is written in heaven. And we rejoice, rejoice over the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life because we've believed on God who He promised to give us eternal life and He doesn't lie. Paul said to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. David made it very clear that he should dwell in the house of God for how long? Forever. And His goodness and mercy will follow him all the way there. By the promise of God, because he's a good God. Oh, because God's that God changing. No, he's a good God that keeps his word. And he will keep his word. I, said, I, was, I was witnessing to a man uh, at Maitland last, yesterday at the light show over there. There was a lot of people went out handing out some gospel pamphlets. And I, I, I was witnessing to two men. One was seated and he goes, you know, I'm a lost cause. He was speaking along those lines. He says, God's wasting his time. I said, he hasn't wasted his time with me. I believed. He's not wasting his time. And I began to speak to him about how God is long-suffering. And, and I know that you have... He goes, I deserve what I get. I deserve it. I said, I know that you've probably digged your hole. But Jesus wants to get you out of the ditch. Would you let him? Because the more you try of getting out of the ditch yourself, the deeper you dig. Because we cannot... The more we try, the more we get ourselves into trouble. The only one that can help us out of the ditch is Christ and the love of God and, and, and confirmed by the promise of God. He, he, you know, when you trust the Lord with all your heart, He gets you out of that miry clay and He sets your foot upon a rock and He, and he puts a new song in your mouth and He establishes your goings. It's a blessing. It's a promise. 1 John 2.25 And this is the what? Promise. That he had promised us. What was it? Even eternal life. And that's found in his son. Uh, John 10 verse 27 My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave me them is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, I and the Father are one. We are safe and secure in the hand of God. Aren't you glad for that? Because of the promise of God. 1 John 5.11, look at this. And this is the record. What's the record? The record that God has put in writing. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in who? His Son. He that had the Son had life. He had not the Son of God had not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the only Son of God. Our comfort and consolation and assurance is based upon the promise of God and also the person of God. Titus 1-2 And the hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie. We trust his character. You know, Paul was resting in that. He actually said to the Romans, for what if some did not believe? Does that make the unbelief, uh, does unbel uh, the, the, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Let God be true. But every man to what? It's not going to change the truth. 
Whether people believe it or not, I was saying that to people over and over again. So I don't believe in that. I said, well, if you don't believe it, it doesn't change the truth. God is always true and he's going to keep to his promise. He's not going, he's not, he's not, he's not a liar. In other words, let me just say this. As Israel, uh, people had to be circumcised as a token of the covenant. And if they didn't, they were outside of the promise. So it is. Any man that is outside of Christ will face the judgment. There's a judgment coming for those that reject Christ. I mean, this is not, this is not, this is not how we, we're supposed to end it, you know. We're supposed to end with a fuzzy feeling and happy and walk out. But yeah, yeah, well, well, for those that are saved, you know and understand what you have. But for those that are not, listen and understand, God will be true to his word. He came as a lamb and one day he's going to come as a lion of Judah and he's going to execute judgment on all them that know not God and obey not the gospel. God will keep to his word. So you know, I don't, I, there's heaven and there's hell. I don't believe in them. Well, God said there is. What do you believe? I believe in this and that and never. Why should I believe you over what God says? Everyone has their own philosophy. And by the way, truth is not subjective. You can't have your own truth and be right. There's an absolute truth, and I believe it's in the word of God here with all my heart. It's proven itself to be true over and over again. I can only see the things that are taking place right now, coming to pass, said 2,000 years ago. This is a holy living book. By the way, you can read whatever book you want in the library. You read the Bible with all your heart, wanting to know the truth. This is the book that will read you, convict you, but also it will comfort you. If you love it, this is the book of books. That's what, that's what the Bible means, by the way. It's the book of books, Biblos, the book of books. It's God's word. And by the way, the world knows it is. <laughs> the world knows it is. Several months ago, we had a man giving some gospel pamphlets in Cardiff. He had a Bible. He knew we were Christians. He took it out of his bag, put it on the ground, and he started kicking it like a soccer ball. No one said anything. Try do that with Buddha's statue or someone else's religion. If a Christian ever did that, off with his head. But people just sat back and perhaps even laughed and mocked. A man kicking the word of God like that, on, like, like all the way down the street, like a soccer ball. And the very same word that he kicks is going to judge him in that day. I can't even tell you the profanity that we hear. One man, even two days ago, what he said. I can't even say it upon this pulpit. It is so vulgar and disgusting. But that day when he stands before God, his tongue will be attached to his palate. He won't be, he'll be dumb before God. I believe that day they won't say a word. As a matter of fact, we read it this morning in our Sunday school lesson. That when they see the face and the feast, Lamb of God coming right at the end. They're going to say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. They'd rather be crushed by, 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 by stones and, and be killed and then and, and face the Lamb of God and his judgment. Can you believe that? I don't want any of you. you look, listen, kids, you grow up here. Don't, you're growing up in a fantasy world. It is what we're seeing in the world today, it is absolutely disgusting than what it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 years ago. It is getting worse. Getting worse. And if you don't just be sober in this area and understand what's coming to pass, will come to pass, and, and trust uh, Christ at a younger age, and I hope that you do. Timothy did. Uh, or, you know, uh, listen. Every person that can understand the gospel and come to the knowledge of the truth through the scriptures that is able to make them wise on the salvation uh, simply can sooner than later. And I'll say to you, if you don't accept Christ sooner than later, it becomes only harder. It's just harder. It's harder. It doesn't become easier. For some of us that got saved at a later age, we wish we heard the gospel at an early age. The unbelief of sinful man will never undermine the character of God or his word or his truth. It'll always be the truth no matter what men say or believe. It'll always be true. 
God will always stay true to his promises, even if people do not believe them. Uh, God used Israel as a nation to reveal himself to other nations and fulfill his promise made to Abraham uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, and now those that are saved and part of the church of God, you know what God wants us to do? By faith. He wants us to tell other people about this wonderful saviour. Sometimes you go out and you tell them about the wonderful Saviour and, and people say, well, that's good for you. Oh, man, it's good for me, it's good for you. I'm only one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He satisfied my sin-sick soul. And he wants to do that with you. You're no different than me. Look, we're made out of the same stuff. We're made out of dust. We're sinful men. And we need the mercy and the love of God. You're no different. You can love God. You can come to Christ. You can be partakers of the, uh, 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 of, of, the, of the promise made to Abraham by faith. It's not limited. It's not limited. God gives equal opportunity to people to repent and believe. And once you repent and believe, you'll be partakers of that beautiful promise and you'll have the inheritance a place in the presence in the person of God mate no, nothing can beat that nothing we are royalty in Christ do you believe what you have in Christ your royalty you've got to read Romans 8 and you'll see our inheritance is unbelievable John was blown away when he was writing his epistle. Behold, what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Hey, we, the dust of the earth, now become the children of God in Christ. Yes. Because God who is from everlasting to everlasting, who is the same, was just as good before the world began. And he will, and he's good now. God is good, and he will always be good. And he'll always be good when he, when he judge righteous. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he will. Even in his judgment, he's good. Amen? Let's pray.